parables are downright subversive. At first hearing, they don't seem like very much. They're about seeds growing in soil and uh, women finding coins and um, someone finding treasure and getting real excited. Harmless enough. As a matter of fact, Jesus in the parables rarely even mentions the name of God, talks about God, or so people thought. People would walk away wondering a little more after hearing his parables about what he was talking about and when their defenses were down and it was at that time the parable would just explode in their hearts and in their mind. Jesus was talking about God and he was talking about what God does. You know, the parables are not five succinct principles to the kingdom of God. Uh, You can't outline them. No. Don't worry about taking notes on parables. You just have to listen to them and try to understand. Parables are stories, metaphors that get underneath our skin. They penetrate our hearts. Jesus gets into our minds with parables in subtle, subversive ways. Now, Luke is the only gospel writer of the four gospel writers who give us this parable that we have come to know and call the Good Samaritan. Um, Jesus didn't call it that, by the way. Good Samaritan is a title that other people, we have given to that parable over many, many years. We know it very well. As a matter of fact, the word good doesn't even appear in the whole parable. Um, Jesus didn't give titles to his parables. And that Jesus would, I don't think he would ever title this the Good Samaritan because if anybody was not good, it was Samaritans. Samaritans were scum. Let me tell you about Samaritans. Jews hated Samaritans, and Samaritans hated Jews like, like the, you know, Israel hates Palestines, and Palestinians hate Israelis today. It's like um, Al-Qaeda hates Westerners, and maybe Westerners hate Al-Qaeda. Same thing. Jews and Samaritans. Jews saw Samaritans as kind of mixed up religiously. They had, a, they had their own temple. They had a different place of worship than the Jews did. They believed in part of the Bible, but not all of the Bible. Samaritans were kind of um, mixed ethnically. They weren't pure anything. They had kind of come as a mixture of a race that, that when different races have kind of inter- intermarried, and the Jews looked down on that. Jews didn't like them. Do you know any Samaritans? Do you know any people you just don't like? Groups of people you just don't care for. And you never really want to have anything to do with them. How badly did Jews hate Samaritans? Well, not long before telling this parable, Jesus sends two messengers ahead of him as Jesus is moving towards Jerusalem. And he sends them into a Samaritan village. And he says, go get the village ready. I want to stop there. And when the Samaritans hear it's Jesus, that he's Jewish, and that he's on his way to Jerusalem, they say, no way, we're not doing a thing for you. Now, James and John get really riled up about this, and who wouldn't? And they ask Jesus, now, do you want us to call lightning and fire to come down from heaven, and we'll just blow the place to smithereens? And Jesus says, no, you don't have to do that. When Jesus sends out disciples two by two, part of the instructions is you do not go to the Samaritans. The Samaritans had opposed the restoration and the rebuilding of Jerusalem and of the second temple. Uh, There was a Jewish high priest who um, tried to get the Samaritans back by 
going down and burning their temple. They did that. Jews went and burned down the Samaritan temple. So the Samaritans came back and they took a corpse and they scattered the bones inside the Jewish temple on the Passover so that no one could go in there and worship. And then another time when some Jewish pilgrims were going to the temple to worship, Samaritan guerrillas ambushed them, killed them all. We hear of that today, don't we? Someone's in a, in a place of worship and all of a sudden there's this suicide bomber, there's a, a massacre, and, and what does it do? That's what the Samaritans did to the Jews. I'm telling you, it was a regular love fest between these two people, a real love fest. And so the shock of the parable is that the one who is the neighbor, who is compassionate and who shows mercy, is a Samaritan. This would just blow the Jewish mindset. In our day, it would be like hearing that the parable of the good Islamic terrorist who went to help the man while the evangelical Christian went around as far as he could and didn't want to have anything to do with him. The categories and the assumptions of people just got rattled when Jesus told this, which is what Jesus' parables often did, just kind of shook people up. Now, why did Jesus even tell the parable? Well, he told the parable because a lawyer, a legal expert in the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures, the Torah, the law of God, a legal expert, a lawyer, stood up to test Jesus. He asked how he could have eternal life. And, but we're told, though, he was really probably interested in trying to see what Jesus was made out of. If Jesus could measure up to the religious scholars, let's find out what Jesus is all about. Let's give him a little test. How does he measure up? By the way, right before this, Jesus, in, in an event, prays to the Holy Spirit, and he gives thanks to the Father. He says, Father, I thank you that you've hidden the things of God from the wise and the intelligent, and you've revealed them to children. I wonder if this lawyer is one of the wise and the intelligent that Jesus was <laughs> talking about. He stands up to test Jesus. And so Jesus asked the lawyer, well, what do you read in the Torah? And the lawyer quotes, which you know now, we read it this morning, Deuteronomy 6 and Leviticus chapter 19. By the way, that law to love our neighbor goes all the way back to the Old Testament. It doesn't come from Jesus. It was from way back. Nothing new. And Jesus says to you, to him, you've given the right answer. You just work this into your life. You keep doing this, and you will have eternal life. You'll get to heaven. But the lawyer didn't stop there. He wanted to justify himself. Did he want to display his own goodness and impress Jesus with how much he really loves his neighbors now? Did he want to show, well, I'm already doing what's required by the law, therefore I must be in? You know, we can be quite good at justifying ourselves. Uh, we think of all the reasons we're such good people, why my behavior's fine. Um, you know, I know how to justify my lifestyle. I know how to justify my thinking. I know how to justify why I treat people the way I do and everything that's good about me. And so I bargain. I negotiate with Jesus about my attitudes. Do you ever do that? I got it. It's okay. There were some Jewish writings that said the only Jews, uh, that only Jews should be considered neighbors. Samaritans never made it onto the list of the Jewish definition of neighbor. So maybe this lawyer just wanted to justify his lack of love for his neighbor. He said, tell me I don't have to love everybody. Well, it's after the lawyer asks, who is my neighbor? 
That's when Jesus tells the parable of what we call the Good Samaritan. That's when he tells the parable. And it begins with a man going down the road from Jerusalem to Jericho. There really was a road from Jerusalem to Jericho. It was called the Bloody Pass. 17 miles of orange alert security. Caves all the way along the way where bandits would hide and just be ready to pounce on anybody they thought that they could get stuff from. That's where the man ends up. A violent encounter, not uncommon on the bloody past. So a priest comes down the road. Well, now, if you were lying on some side street here in Salt Lake City with a broken leg and you're bleeding from the head and you're shaking and you're scared and you're cold and you see Pastor Phil walking down the street, wouldn't you just absolutely think that was wonderful? I said, wouldn't you think that was wonderful? Come on. Don't make me come out there, because I will. I'll deal with some of you. Priests, they were men of prayer. They were steeped in God's word. They knew God. They were intimate with God. They knew how to love people and take care of people. Well, the priest sees the man, and he passes by on the other side. A Levite comes. Now, Levites took care of the house of God. That was their job. They, they, they would sing in the praise band. They were musicians. They helped the priests. They were greeters and ushers at the door. They made sure communion was set up. Everything was good, the technology, the sound. Levite comes, and he sees the man, and he goes around the other side too. Both religious people pass by this man. But they just don't come and then take a look and, and just kind of move away a little bit. The word that is used is the word for slang. Going as far around the way as possible as you can from something. That's the word that's used. That's what they did. A Samaritan comes. And we've learned what they're about, right? He sees the man as well, but took pity on him. And the word that's used is the New Testament word for compassion. The man had compassion. And the New Testament word for compassion comes from the word for the guts, the entrails of the body. Because in the New Testament, compassion is something you feel right here for somebody. It's not up here. You feel for them. You feel it in your gut. It hurts you when you see it. Notice the action of the Samaritan. He doesn't pass by, but he goes to the man. He gets involved. It says he bandages his wounds. Notice the action. Pours oil and wine on them. Touches him. Puts the man in his own car. Takes him to the comfort inn. Takes care of him. I mean, doesn't this guy have a schedule and places to go? Doesn't he have things he probably has to do? He gives his own money to tell that innkeeper and tells him, look it, I'll come back and I'll pay you anything else it's going to cost you to take care of him. And he promises to, to come back. And you can just hear the gasps. <gasps> Not that someone was doing good, but that this is a Samaritan? It's subversive. Jesus is being very subversive. And by the end of the exchange, you see, that's the sharp edge of this parable. Jesus is using the Samaritan. And by the end of this exchange, the question has been changed by Jesus. It's not, who's my neighbor? Now the question has been changed to, who was the neighbor? 
Now the lawyer isn't thinking of justifying himself, but he is faced with having to follow the example of a merciful but stinking no good just this side of hell, Samaritan. And the lawyer wonders now if he has to love the Samaritan. And he finds the Samaritan is the very one who is teaching him about the law of love and about what it means to love a neighbor. What's this parable about? Well, it's about compassion. It's about compassion, isn't it? Which is the first thing that that Samaritan felt, and it says after he saw the man. He saw the man, and he took pity on him. He had compassion. Compassion is when we merely go beyond just looking at someone who's half dead and who's injured, but we enter their world in care, in mercy, in love, in whatever way we can do that. It says the Samaritan's compassion was stirred when he saw the man. Funny thing, when Jesus saw a grieving widow who had lost her only son, it says Jesus saw her and felt compassion for her. Same thing. In the parable of what we call the prodigal son, it says when the father saw the son way far off, he had compassion for him. Same thing. It says in Exodus, when God saw the misery and the suffering of his people in Egypt, that's when he had compassion and he wanted to come down to rescue them. Compassion followed what the Samaritan, what Jesus, what the follow, Father, what God all saw. It's what they saw. Maybe, maybe I need to see, I need to see who is my neighbor. Who has a claim on me? Who should I be noticing? I need to be more aware of who's in my path at any given moment. I need to be more aware of who's around me that needs my love and my compassion and my help. Often, that's those who are closest to us. It's those we live with. It's the, peop- the person I'm sitting next to or behind or before in worship. It's someone maybe we've lived with every day for years. We've been seeing them. You know, I probably don't need another Bible lesson. I don't need more life coaching. Maybe what I need is a cornea transplant. What do you think? I need to see. I need new eyes because compassion is linked to what I see in the Bible, to what we see. We see and then we respond with mercy. I think this parable is also about the way Jesus wants us to live, the way God wants us to live. Um, Some people might say, well, you know, if we place too much emphasis on this, here come the works righteousness police. Is God, you know, is it all about what we do and we're right by what we do? Isn't this a violation of grace? Don't ever believe the satanic lie that the mercy and grace of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross and in his resurrection was to free us from showing mercy to others. What we do matters to God. And he didn't die so that we could not do anything, so that we could be excused. He died so that we could live. And Jesus is showing something in this parable of something of the way we should live. This parable doesn't say, well, what we believe doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who you are or what background you're from. It doesn't say that, but it does certainly Put religious formalism in its place. I think the Lord is saying that faith, 
religion, spirituality, being right with God is more than just having a set of correct theological beliefs or all the right biblical answers. Uh, The lawyer who entices Jesus to speak this parable, he has knowledge. Oh, he knows the scriptures, but he lacks mercy. He lacks the going and the doing. Why did the priest and that Levite pass just as far away as they could? Well, probably because they saw what looked to them like a dead person and the holiness code in the Jewish law found in the Bible was clear. If you came into contact with a dead person, you are now ritually unclean and you need to stay away from the temple and you need to stay away from worship because you are now impure. It's like their purity kept them. Their own wanting to be pure kept them from what God wanted them to do. You know, the story of the Good Samaritan is often used to show the goodness of the heart of the rescuer. But Jesus is also saying, I think, something about the danger of religion becoming so formal, becoming so full of rules and regulations that it keeps us from living in the way God wants us to live, particularly with mercy and compassion to other people. And then maybe more than anything, the the parable is about mercy. Go and do like the one who had mercy on that half-dead man. Mr. Lawyer, can I ask you now which one was the neighbor? And Mr. Lawyer says, the one who showed mercy. The word isn't good. That's not the word that's used. The word that is used is mercy. Jesus is teaching mercy. One time when Jesus was eating with some sinners and hanging out with people who lived on the wrong side of the tracks, some religious leaders came and said, we're bothered by this. And Jesus said this, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. And he was just quoting what God his father had said back in the prophet Hosea when God said, For I desire mercy, not sacrifice. I desire the acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. God said through another prophet, Isaiah, that the type of fasting he wants or the type of religious devotion he wants is to share your food with the hungry, bring right into your home those who are helpless and poor and destitute, and clothe those who are cold. Mercy. And the irony in this parable is that the Samaritans didn't even believe in the prophets. They believed in Genesis through Deuteronomy. They thought that was good, but the rest of the Hebrew Scriptures, they didn't believe in at all. And yet it is the Samaritan who is the one doing exactly what the prophets said to do. It's the irony of this parable. Which one of the three was the neighbor, the one you would least expect to be the neighbor? Jesus might even be using a little shame to teach and convict here. The message is, you know, if the Samaritan is going to do this and we know what they're like, what about those of you who claim to belong to my heavenly Father? And that's the shock of this parable. It's not just about someone doing good. If it was just doing good, Jesus would have used just anybody to come and tell us about what you're supposed to do to somebody when you see him hurting But he intentionally uses a Samaritan who has mercy on the man and was beaten and left for dead. Jesus is getting into our minds. And he's getting into that lawyer's mind. Yeah, I just imagine the lawyer maybe a few days later, he's sitting in his his study or he's walking to the temple. 
And he's thinking about that encounter with Jesus, and he's asking himself, was he suggesting a Samaritan might be more loving and neighborly than me? Uh, that, that, That Samaritans could possibly have any kind of value? That I'm not all I think I am, and I don't know as much as I think I know? Was and he is in his mind. I suppose Jesus could have engaged in a Bible quoting session with this guy. I suppose they could have had a theological argument in, in response to the question, well, who's my neighbor? But Jesus didn't do that, did he? Jesus told a parable. Jesus tells parables to illustrate the kingdom of God. And in the kingdom of God, what God does who God is, what God is about, is always a surprise. 